Welcome to the Kyperion Commentary Podcast, where each week we have a discussion with a Kyperion contributor or guest about a published article or current event. This is episode 9, How Should a Pastor Read? Today we'll be talking with Yuri Brito. I'm Dustin Messer, Kyperion Commentary contributor and host for today's episode. Yuri, I listened to you give a lecture uh, several weeks ago in which you talked about reading from various perspectives, and you were using something that I've heard you talk about before, multi-perspectivalism, right. applying that to reading. So maybe before we talk about reading, what is uh, multi-perspectivalism itself? Uh, the language of multi-perspectivalism is a language that's been adopted over the years by uh, two professors, Professor Vern Poitras and Professor John Frame, and they have done a lot of work together on this field. And the idea of multi-perspectivalism, though it's a gigantic word, is actually quite simple to grasp. These are various perspectives coming together, forming um, a coherent vision of a particular idea. So in the case of um, pastoral reading, for example, I'm going to make some applications to the ways in which the Father, the Son, and the Spirit cohere in glory, but how this coherence also brings uh, some level of harmony and some structure into how we as pastors ought to contemplate the idea of uh, reading. The three-in-one, one-in-three nature of the triune God that I think applies beyond just mere abstract conversations about the Trinity. So, uh, you know, John Frame talked about the, the triperspectivalism in terms of normative, situational, and existential. And so that uh, seems to provide an adequate framework by which we're able to make um, applications to our daily life. Yeah. And it, it, it can be as simple as Vern Poitras, hashtag Feel the Vern, uh, uses this illustration <laughs> in his book on, on the subject. He says, uh, you could be shopping for uh, shutters, and one person can say those are good shutters, and another person can say those are bad shutters. And he says they both can be true, and that one person can be talking about the utilitarian function of the shutters, and another can be talking about the aesthetic, how whether or not the shutters are attractive. And he says, so it's just helpful to step back, not to say there isn't objective truth, but just to step back and say, what perspective am I going to uh, observe this particular object? And you apply it to reading a given book. Um, and you just said you do it in a Trinitarian way, which is to say you're doing it from three different angles. Uh, and the first thing you said was uh, read a text as uh, as a father. So how do you read a text as a father? Well, I think the first element we need to contemplate is uh, who is the Father? How does he act in history? And the Westminster Confession says that he ordains whatsoever come to pass. This is the big picture, the big narrative of the Bible, the kinds of things that I think we as pastors need to have a good grasp. I've often said that we are not specialists. I mean, maybe some of us have particular skills, but we ought to be, as pastors, generalists. And so the Father offers the great picture, the Father plans. And from that, I think we can glean the idea that there is a, a generalist tendency that we pastors ought to have. And uh, and so I make that application in the in an essay I wrote some time ago to looking at the big picture. Pastors that are merely specialists tend to overdose on details. And as a result, they tend to uh, overwhelm themselves because they're only looking at 
the seeds. They're not looking at the trees, what the seed is producing. And so an overemphasis on details can be dangerous, but I think the way we read as fathers is by contemplating the big narratives of scriptures. And so that would include practically, you know, healthy, systematic, and biblical theology books. I'm looking at my office right now, and I have, you know, seven or eight of them. But it's the kinds of things that our people need to grasp as we're communicating truth every Lord's Day and throughout the week. Tell me what the big picture is. And so that also helps us to communicate to certain kinds of personalities, you know, because uh, some people like the big picture. Others may not like that. But I think as pastors, we need to be prepared to offer that kind of overall narrative. Yeah, that's super helpful. So we read it as a father and kind of keep that in mind. And we also read as sons. How do we do that? Well, the son is the incarnational element of the Trinity. And so the son has come into the world to reconcile lost humanity. Uh, John 1 says he's, he's the word made flesh. He literally and fleshly entered our human experience. He tasted and saw creation. He was tempted, right? Uh, Hebrews chapter 4 says. And so this experience... Uh, the author of Hebrews says, makes him a sympathetic high priest. And this is where I think we kind of lose track in the pastoral world. I've argued that pastoral ministry ought to be a holistic ministry. And pastoral life sometimes is very abstract and academized. And so if we end up only looking at the world through the lens of a father, we lose the ability to engage ourselves in the life of our people as the son engages our own lives. And so my argument from that is that we need to read in order to know our people intimately. And we can't obviously invest in every interest of our parishioner, but I think we should be conversant on, on a variety of, of subjects. And so we ought to be inclined to like certain things like uh, poetry, for example, or even fiction. And we ought to be inclined to like certain things as sports. And all this does is it creates a pastor who is able to not only offer a pulpit ministry, but a pew ministry also. So he's able to come down from the pulpit each Sunday and engage his people in a very uh, in a very human and intimate way so that he doesn't strike his parish as just an armchair theologian, you know? And so I think that's how we begin to read as the son. Yeah. So maybe you're saying um, don't steal. If you're going to preach that in sort of a fatherly way, you're going to connect it to the big narrative of Scripture to talk about maybe humanity stealing glory from God and trying to... Have autonomy, but then if you do it uh, from the perspective of a son, you're applying that. What does it mean? Not just don't steal in sort of the grand narrative of Scripture, but what does not stealing mean for my own personal narratives? You're going to say, here's what it's like to be an accountant and not steal. Here's what it, you're going to point to those sort of concrete, physical parables as Jesus did, as he's walking and seeing a farmer, or seeing. Uh, you, you know, a lady with coins or whatever, and he's able to make those sort of fleshy, uh, incarnate applications um, and speak parably. That's really, yes. yeah, really helpful. And lastly, how does one read as the spirit? Well, the, the world of spirit uh, can be a bit more complex uh, simply because I think modern evangelicals uh, don't have a way of thinking about the spirit except, you know, through some mystical category. And I'm, I'm arguing that the spirit of God was sent by our Lord Jesus Christ at his incarnation. He proceeded from the father and the son, the creed tells us. 
He was sent to abide with his people. The Gospels make that abundantly clear. Um, in Acts chapter 2, of course, he is the, the Pentecostal fire that descends from heaven. And so the Bible gives us a picture of the Spirit as sort of this divine comforter. I, and so as we find common ground with our people, as our Lord did, uh, the next step, I think, is to... Uh, deal intimately with their concerns and their problems. It's one thing to find common ground as we're reading uh, through different topics, but it's, it's another step. That's where I think we go from the, the pulpit ministry to the pew ministry and then to the heart ministry. I can't think of a, a third P. Maybe you can help me out, Dustin. But uh, we can't. this is when we delve into the heart ministry. And this is, I think, fits the, the counseling ministry of a pastor. The Spirit is the abiding presence of God. He dwells within us. And sometimes, I think John Framework phrases as the existential dimension. Sometimes we have a difficult time as pastors engaging the emotions of our people. I think primarily because we're not engaged in literature that engages the heart. And I think that's where we need to be a bit more focused, or at least add a dimension to our pastoral libraries in that regard. And so uh, practically that would include uh, uh, books on uh, devotional literature. There's some great works being produced these days from uh, some patristic readings that are helpful. Some of the, And in our own day, we have just an abundance of counseling work that's being produced by, you know, CCF and other great ministries. And so I think the, the pastor's reading habits should um, never be distant from the people's needs. And so that's where I think reading as a spirit comes in. We want to be able to be a comforting voice to our people, but sometimes we're incapable of doing that simply because we lack a bit of a a, a, a a form of pastoral reading that engages the heart, kind of holistic pastoral ministry that views the work of the Spirit as the heart of the pastoral counseling call. Yeah, absolutely. I think another thing, way we could sort of look at it is uh, the Spirit is the Spirit of Pentecost who grants us mm. understanding and able to see connections. Um, and, and as you said, we read seeing these connections. There's this place I was just looking at the Institute's uh, I can't find the the place I marked it, but a place where Calvin, he's kind of talking about just weird, uh, just war theory type things. He's talking about how to engage your enemy, and he says uh, that when you approach an enemy, he says, look for the humanity in them, look for what's right in them, in a sense, what good are they arguing for, and then he says, look for um, where maybe your side is is in the wrong or something like that. What he's wanting, wanting someone to do is look at that situation in a perspectival, a multiple perspective uh, way where you see the good in the other. You're making a connection uh, before deciding how to um, retaliate or something like that. So that's really, that's right. really helpful. Moving kind of just – Practically, as a pastor, what are your reading habits like? Because I know you counsel uh, a really good bit. Uh, you're planning for sermons. You're uh, just busy with parish life. What are your reading habits like? How do you make time for that? I think even though I want to sort of establish a, a rhythm of reading Trinitarianly, pastorally, I really try to incorporate the three categories I've used sort of on a weekly basis. And so if I am preaching, uh, for example, on 1 Corinthians chapter 6, there's a section there where the Apostle Paul talks about how we are 
to judge the world and the angels. And um, the first thing that came to mind was I remember a section in John Frame's uh, big book on theology where he deals with angels. And so that's how I would read as a father. And what I'm reading as a son, I'm looking at modern uh, modern works, especially works of um, uh, focusing on on the human condition that might be examples where I can find commonality with the common layman who is sitting in the front row and honestly has no interest in delving into that kind of deep literature. And I'm going to find ways so that I can captivate their attention from the start so that I don't lose them. And the end of my uh, sermons actually focus on applying the text. And this is where I really want to go beyond the general applications. I think you and I have talked about this before, Dustin, but I, I think it's the pastor's role to go beyond the general applications and get to specific forms of heart piety so that our people can be changed by it. And so on a weekly basis, I, I try to find time in my schedule to engage the three categories that I mentioned. I'll tell you, Yuri, um, you and I both preach expositionally through uh, through books of the Bible, and we try to make the main point of our sermon, the main point of the passage and so forth. But I've really grown in my use of non-biblical sources. And we talking about this a little bit before we started here. Yeah. I got this from Paul. Paul, whenever he wants to, uh, whether it's affirm an aspect in the culture, like whenever he's in Athens and he says, as one of your own poets have said, it's and who right. live and move and have our being and so forth. Or if he's, chastising the culture as he does in Titus when he says all Cretans as one Cretans said liars and gluttons and so forth. He appeals to a recognized cultural authority. Doesn't mean he's taking his foot off of God's word as his ultimate um, source of authority, but he's saying, look how uh, general revelation has has confirmed this, and don't you know this to be true? And then he uses that to move the heart. Um, mm. and I think pastors can probably be a little bit better, or at least I can be a little bit better, in using non-Christian cultural sources of authority in sort of wise ways, as Paul does. Very good. That's that's a great point, and I think the um, I, th- I think we find sort of a, both we find people falling in both ditches where mm-hmm. they refuse to. I've seen sort of the Puritan pietist that refuses to use anything secular for fear of polluting the sermon, <laughs> and um, on the other hand, I think we find people who overdo in that regard, and so that you have a sermon that it essentially becomes secularized, you know. And I think Paul used it, as you mentioned a few examples, he used it sparingly, right? And I think that's that's a good model for us as, as pastors. Yeah, absolutely. We can read as a father, you can read as a son, you can read as a spirit, and you can read as a Kyperian. Uh, that's exactly right. Rebrito at com. <laughs> Isn't that something? Excellent. <laughs> this was a good talk, Yuri. Thank you very much for answering these questions. Dustin, it was a pleasure to speak to you again, my brother. You can find the links to today's episode by visiting us at Kyperion.com and by subscribing to receive our updates. You can also find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Thanks for joining us on this episode. We'll see you next time.